Welcome to the Red Diamond Report podcast. I'm your host, Wilson Jackson, and I have another exciting episode for you. I sat down with Kelsey Nicole Nelson, an award-winning freelance sports reporter, event host, media professor, and marketing specialist from Washington, D.C. Kelsey is no stranger to hard work, as it is evident with the many roles she contributes to in the media industry. A graduate of the University of Maryland, Kelsey's journey in the media has been nonstop, but she prefers it that way. She has appeared on numerous TV, digital, and radio outlets such as Bally Sports doing NBA coverage, Fox Sports 1340 AM, the Washington Commanders digital shows, the Big East Conference as a sideline reporter, NBC Sports brother from another, as well as hosting her own podcast, Listen In with KNN, and much more. Sit back and get ready to listen as Kelsey discusses her love for basketball, how she manages her time to fulfill her goals and obligations, She also dives into what the Wizards will look like in the upcoming season, as well as breaking down key factors needed for the Commander's success in the 2023 NFL season and more. This is the Red Diamond Report podcast. Let's get it. Welcome to the Red Diamond Report podcast. I'm your host, Wilton Jackson, and today we have another great episode for you. Um, I have a young lady by the name of Kelsey Nicole Nelson. If you don't know her, ladies and gentlemen, you need to follow her because she <laughs> it is magnificent. She knows everything in my eyes. Like we go back from like college, like NBJ. <laughs> like Kelsey, it is so good to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. You're family. So you already know, like, I'm excited and delighted to be on here. I'm just so proud of you and the great work that you continue to do. So thanks for having me. And I'm looking forward to having fun with you today. Absolutely. Likewise. <laughs> and so, Kelsey, um, before we get started, tell the listeners a little bit about who you are and, and what you do. Yeah, of course. So I am Kelsey Nicole Nelson, a.k.a. KNN, as everyone likes to call me. I am based in our beautiful nation's capital of Washington, D.C., where I do a little bit of everything, but mostly freelance for television and radio. So I've been working now with NBC Sports and Peacock on Brother from Another, which has been so fun covering sports um, at the national level, doing baseball coverage with MLBBro.com, and then mostly with my main work, working with Fox Sports, um, which has been a blast. And then also people know my work from Valleys. And then I sit on a couple boards, which keeps me very busy. <laughs> so making sure basically that we're giving back to our young people, um, investing for our young people, capstone advisor as well um, at Georgetown and in the education space and really kind of youth space, also serving as director of communications for the National Foster Youth Institute. So I, I don't do much, Wilton. Somehow I just keep busy, um, but all great things, you know, that I'm very passionate about doing. I'm just, I'm just, you know, blessed that God has afforded me um, to be able to use my talents and skills in so many various and different ways. It's like, how do you manage it all? Like, how do you do it? That's also a question that I often get. Like, Wilson, how do you Yeah, like, how are you managing everything? And it's the best question. And, Wilson, I don't know if I ever have the great answer for it. Like, somehow, someway, I think I was blessed with good time management skills. And that's so important because, you know, I'm not into, you know, quality. Um, I'm sorry, I'm not into quantity of jobs. I'm into the quality of jobs. And I like to think that I keep getting opportunities because, you know, I'm a perfectionist and I like to do things and do it to the best of my abilities and give 150%. If you can't tell already, I'm a very high energy person. So that also helps to keep 
keep me going and keep me driving um, to do so many different things. But, you know, I think it's just because, you know, when I'm passionate about something, like I go, I go the longest mile for it. You know, I go, I go beyond the yard for it. And I think that's what it is. My passion has fueled me and, and drove me. You know, it's the thing that keeps me up at night when, I, when I'm not finished an assignment or task. It's also the thing that gets me up early in the morning when I know sure. I need to finish um, an assignment or task. But I, I truly do think, you know, people make time for what they want to make time for. And for me, it's just, you know, being, and also I think I've had a support, an amazing and supportive, you know, cast. Like luckily in all my gigs and all my jobs, you know, people that understand all the different things that I do and they're supportive of that, but they also stay on me, you know, to make sure I get my stuff done. And it's very right. important to have great leaders around you, great allies, advocates, mentors, and supporters. And I, I just think because I've had so many great people around me as well and able me to do this work that helped me, you know, like, hey, like motivate me at times too. And I have those days where I'm like, whoo, like this is a lot. Like, you know, I need a break. So I think just also having a great supporting cast. You talk about that energy. Like when you look at the different roles and, and the things that you do, uh, which one would you say you're the most passionate about? Yeah, you know, I, I it's so hard to pick just one was, and I'll be honest with you, because I think for me, you know, like giving back to the community and the sports aspect have been part of me since, you know, I could talk. Like I, I've always loved sports. I've always, you know, been that sports girl that, you know, wasn't afraid to play with the guys or talk, or talk smack with the guys, you know, when it came to sports. But I've also been that person that's always been giving back to the community, starting with my family, you know, from an early age, you know, picking up trash in the communities, you know, reading to kids, you know, volunteering for class trips um, and things like that. So I think for me, I'm Honestly, it's both things. And that's why I think I've been able to balance. And I think that's kind of why now I'm going through this rebrand of people knowing me so much more than just sports and really trying to use my purpose um, on my platform and showing that I have a wide platform that we don't have to just be placed into this box. I think for me, you know, it's equally passionate, my sports, as well as kind of my giving back um, and working with young people. You know, I, I'm so blessed to be in a sense where each day I get to cover sports and watch sports and talk sports. But I also right now in my new role, you know, get to uplift foster youth voices. And I think that's a population that has for too long, you know, not been heard enough um, and needs to be given the agency to be heard on a bigger level. And you mentioned something in all of that when you said being able to merge your purpose together and we're going to get mm. into a little bit about that yeah. towards the end of the show because yeah. it's not every day that everybody can say i do something and i feel like it's my purpose versus Ooh, like i'm doing yes. a job i may like the job but it may not be right is it your purpose yeah yes. yeah yeah so Completely we're going to get into agree. that a little bit a little bit more later on into the show but i want to ask this you played basketball growing up I um, did. So you <laughs> a fan of the dmv your dmv girl at heart oh my gosh uh, yes you know all of the Interesting things that are going on with, with DC sports these days. Ooh, I want to ask Wilson, first, I've first. been busy. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Before we get into that, though, like, you know, what made you most interested in, in, in playing basketball? Oh, my gosh. Well, I'll be honest with you. I have loved basketball for a long time. If you grew up in the D.C. area, you know, you, you grew up doing, especially when I grew up, I'm a 90s kid. You yeah. grew up, you know, when Hoya Paranoia was at an all-time high. So I grew up, you know, going to Georgetown basketball games. We get free tickets. And I was at Plumgar Recreation Center or, you know, at the Boys and Girls Club. I'm a Boys and Girls Club kid. And we go to basketball games. So you're watching Georgetown. You're watching Maryland. This is when Maryland basketball, too, was at an all-time high. Absolutely. You know, so watching just basketball at a highest level. And then, you know, also, I mean, I grew up in the Mystics era, you know, watching Coco Miller, Atlanta Beard. You know, um, even though I was in the Nosebleed States, I was watching the Mystics, you know, at a, at a top level, which was amazing and great. And same thing with the Wizards, you know, the, the agent, you know, Zero um, era, Gilbert Arenas era, you yes. know, Cron Butler, Antoine Jameson era. So seeing just so much great basketball. And for people that don't know this, maybe some people just got introduced to basketball in the DMV through Kevin Durant, something in the water. But, you know, the DMV, like it's a commander's town, like commander's burgundy and gold rules. But we have such strong basketball roots and talents. Like if you go to a high school basketball game here, like it's you talk smack 
smack. Like it's a yeah. thing. Rivalries are real here. And oh. basketball has been long and breaded. Oh, and it probably helped that I was super tall growing up as well. So, you know, when you're this tall girl, people are going to always pull you, right. you know, into different sports. But a lot of it was just going to sports games, you know, with my dad. And basketball just always drew me in, you know, the athleticism of these athletes. I mean, I, I could never dunk, but watching people dunk, you know, was super amazing. And then just the game of basketball, like it, it's a love language. It tells a story, you know, all the team members kind of playing their part and role, even the, you know, the role players on the bench as well, being able to step in um, when needed. But I think I just grew up in this basketball culture in the DMV. Um, it's still here. You know, that's why we love seeing, you know, and I'm going to say Baltimore and DMV. We love seeing girls like, you know, Angel Reese. And, you know, I mean, there's so much, I mean, Jordan Hawkins and what just oh, happened, okay. you know, with that, like there's so much great basketball talent, you know, that comes from here. So many pros. That's why, you know, one of the things I'm most proud about now is sitting on the Montgomery County Sports Hall of Fame board and being able to get some of those great basketball players, the right. highest recognition. So I think for me, honestly, it just it happened to be where I grew up with. And this is a basketball place. Like you, you, if you're a sports fan, you have to love basketball. One of the first TV shows I did, the round ball report on CTV, you know, it was great to be able to speak to the love of basketball that I had and cover basketball at the top level. So I guess the basketball has just always, it always spoke to me. It always drew me in. And now it's obviously one of the favorite sports I love to cover. And as someone who grew up playing basketball and, and like you said, you've had the opportunity to watch and cover uh, the Mystics. Where do you see um, the game, like more so the WNBA going, you know, moving forward? Yeah, I think the WNBA is moving in the right direction. And I think the conversation that's being had is one needs that, that needs to be had and talking about expansion, right? Whether that be franchise expansion or roster expansion, because I think we can all go back to the draft and after the draft and seeing the players that got cut and just seeing like these girls need a home. Like these girls need a home. They should be able to play here in the U.S. They should have more options. Right. right. Um, and I think that's where the WNBA is. And I think we see more sponsors than investors, you know, getting into the game. I think we see more of their male counterparts helping to also promote um, and grow the game. But I think people are now just kind of seeing the value. Um, right. And I think the WNBA, too, is that we look at the future. I think they're going to hopefully learn better, too, how to take and market these collegiate players and put them on a pro level. Because I think the NIL, Bolton, has changed the game. Oh, like, now that these players can make money in college and make money, money. Shout out to Angel Reese making that money, money, Bayou like, Barbie money. Her like, valuation <laughs> is like $1.6 Isn't that crazy? So making yeah. more already than she could make in the pro level, like essentially. <laughs> so I think the WNBA is going to have to see, like, how do you now stay attractive to these athletes and play? But also, how do you take their marketability and grow it over to the game. You know, I think a good case study before was Skylar Diggins, Skylar Diggins-Smith now. You know, I think she had such a high value pre-NIL for college. I think she was able to take some of her college fan base to the WNBA. But I think, again, now it's just on a different level because of how much these athletes can make in college. I think the WNBA, I think expansion is there. I think more people knowing the value, some more advertisers and sponsor dollars are there. Um, and I also think even just with draft coverage, expanding that, um, and finding ways to improve that and kind of making that, you know, something that everybody just wants to watch um, and be down for, I think is going to be huge. And then also, I think just more of these teams making their own homes. You know, we know what's happening with the Chicago Sky now. The Mystics obviously have theirs with the Entertainment and Sports Arena. Las Vegas and that beautiful facility that they did oh, for the absolutely. team. Like, I think that's also going to be like really investing and making sure that they have a place of their own. I think that's also going to be kind of the next level um, for these WNBA teams. But honestly, it's exciting. It's a it's almost a good problem to have because I think they they only have up to go and, you know, they can work on it. But I think the timeline part is going to be the interesting part. Well, and how fast can they move on these deliverables? You got to go why things are hot. WNBA is hot right now. Women's college basketball is hot right now. Every time I see those long lines for Caitlin Clark, I get excited. I get goosebumps. You know, so how do you build on that quickly and right. act quickly, you know, kind of while the going's good and the going's hot? 
this is another perfect segue. Yeah. We have to talk about the Wizards. Ooh, and so much happening with the Wizards. They had us busy with them here in DC. <laughs> I, 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 when I saw the news, I kind of predicted obviously Bradley Beal would you know be on his way out. Yeah, but I didn't think that we would be looking in that particular deal to see the Wizards not get any first round picks. Yeah, it was a bunch of picks, but maybe not the picks that you wanted. You know, I think, first off, let me just say, like, DC fans, we're still getting used to this new era of -hmm. Wizards basketball. Because I think what people don't understand, for so long, we've had a guy be able to lead this team. You know, for a long time, it was Gilbert Arenas. I'm going to talk about my era. Then it was John Wall's team, right? He brought the Dougie to DC in great basketball. Then it was handed off to Bradley Bill. So that torture of Britain has always been handed off. We're now, all of a sudden, Right. It's blown up what we know as DMV basketball. And, you know, for a while before Jordan Poole came, there was a lot of new faces and guys that basketball fans are trying to be like, you know, well, who is going to be that leader? And I think people have to remember, too, like Wizards fans, they've gotten used to meteorocracy, right? Meteorocracy in D.C. Like you knew what the Wizards were going to do. They're going to be that middle of the pack team, maybe make a playoff, not go far in the playoffs. Yeah. So we've always known what to expect, right, with Wizards basketball. And I'm old enough to remember that foot on the line Wizards team that should have went further. This is when Paul Pierce was here. Yep. <laughs> I will digress. I will digress. But all that to say, you know, I think now all of a sudden, too, the Wizards have been going international, right? Like it started kind of with Denny Avia and, you know, he's kind of being a guy now that's being propelled, right, on a new level because of all the changes that this Wizards organization has seen. Bradley Bill going out to Phoenix, Christoph, Christoph Porzingis going out um, to the Boston Celtics, you know, Kyle Kuzma, everybody, you know, having questions about, you know, as we look forward. So all that to say, I think, you know, then we bring in, you know, Bilal Okulabali, you know, who is this French player that, you know, Wizards fans are still trying to learn about. Um, you know, I think he's someone that said McCall Bridges is someone, you know, he models his game after, you know, someone who speaks three languages, learning a fourth where his family's from in Mali. Like, this is the guy we're all getting used to, you know? And I think also you have to remember Wizards fans too thought about the last draft and Johnny Davis and that kind of not going according to plans. Right. A lot of people felt like that was going to be different. We did. Yeah. <laughs> Your first round pick is supposed to, you know, bring you a lot more. But, you know, he's had a guy, let's be honest, he's had growing pains, right? right and the right. NBA, right? Like, I mean, had to go to the G League. And towards the end of the season, he had some spurts, right? Some better right. offensive play. I think that's the biggest thing with Johnny Davis on the defensive side. I think, you know, he's going to give you something. But offensively, he needs to improve his game, improve his shot, and especially from behind the arc, that three-point ball. Going right. to need him to improve that. You know, Corey Kispert. I mean, there's so many guys here, I think, you know, that if you're, again, if you're a Wizards fan, you don't kind of have the flash. Like, Jordan Poole really will get to be the guy here in D.C. And I think people knew there was a lot going on with Draymond and Jordan Poole. Didn't take a genius to figure that out. But, you know, him landing in D.C. and the short stint that Chris Paul had in D.C., even though we knew that wasn't going to go anywhere. Basically, it's a whole new identity, Wilton, for this Washington Wizards team that I think people are going to have to get used to. And then Wizards fans are going to have to get to know what a rebuild is. Do you think with this rebuild, is this, if you had to gauge, because like I said, you see a lot of different reports and you were someone who's closely connected to the team, the area. Yeah. Was this what fans really wanted? Like when they, when the franchise decided to move on with Bradley Bill, yeah. is this what they truly wanted? Yeah, I think, you know, let me tell you, the fans loved Bradley Bill. Like for his b- basketball play on the court, though they wish they would have been healthier more because the injury bug did hit Bradley Bill quite a few times. Um, But they also love what he did in the community. I mean, Brad's a guy that has done so much for DC. So did John Wall. Like, I think it's my players. I think that's why DC gets so attached to folks because, I mean, both these guys, John Wall and Bradley Bill, community assist award winners. I mean, these are guys that have given back to the community at the highest levels and in sections of the city that are sometimes neglected. And so what I mean is usually the, the most 
the most diverse parts of the city in a gentrified city, like they're actually paying attention to and giving back to, which I think means a lot to people who are actually from this area, the natives um, of this area. But I think, you know, I think with Bradley Bill, people had questions because, again, they knew it would be the same with Wizards. That's why I said we've gotten used to meteorocracy. I always say this. It's very hard to find true hardcore Wizards fans. You know, most of the time you can travel the country, you find hardcore Lakers fans, you, find, you know, but it's hard to find hardcore Wizards fans. And that's because, you know, what have they what have they really been able to cheer for? Like all of the glory that comes from the Wizards. You hear a lot of our great OGs talk about the Bullets days, but you have a whole new generation, you know, who didn't get to witness the Bullets days firsthand. Right. That was a whole different location, you know, and everything else. So I think all in all to say, I think Wizards fans, they knew Bradley had to be moved. They knew his contract was hard, a hard moving piece and the no trade clause. But I think they thought what would come back as a superstar. That's something fans have talked about in D.C., a superstar. So I'll be honest with you, Wilton. So many fans want KD to come home. He's not coming home anytime soon. Get each other. I said the only time he's going to come home is maybe towards the end, the tail end of his career. Right. Maybe he'll give D.C. like a year or so. But Wizards fans have really wanted a, a big name here, right? Someone that they can really get behind. Because what usually happens in D.C. is when we do get big names, it is when guys are on the tail end of their career. But they wanted somebody more in their prime that could really build this team. Because what happened was last year, Wizards fans thought they had the right big three in Christos Porzingis, Kyle Kuzma, and Bradley Bill. But what did it result in? No playoffs, Wilton. What happened? You know, you have. But again, that and this is when... Christophus Przingis had a career year, right? Yeah, in Washington. one of his best years. Of his, one of his career. best years. I think he yeah. wrote a new narrative for himself. He kind of forgot the Knicks days, forgot what happened in Dallas. He was able to create a new identity here right. in D.C. Then you have Kyle Kuzma, another guy who I think also under the radar, but also had a career year here in D.C. And then Brad leaves, you know, as, as one of the franchise leaders in so many categories. So on paper, you would think those big three would be able to do something. The health aspect played a part, though, because the best availability is uh, the best availability is the best ability is availability. And the injuries hurt the Wizards last year in that. And then also just the consistency. Right. Um, you know, of that. I think the Wizards not having a consistently reliable bench and, you know, so many other factors. And then, of course, that's why they had to get a new front office. But all in all, I think the Bradley Bill trade was still surprising to your point because of what they got back. I think Wizards fans just thought they could get, you know, just something more back um, in turn. And then I think the Wizards fans, too, don't trust this team with draft picks because the Wizards draft picks, you know, as of late kind of haven't I mean, been able to I, that's what I'm saying. So I think the Wizards <laughs> fans are like, um, they're doing this well. And this is what everybody's doing right now in D.C. They're scratching yeah. their head. They're going like, mm, I don't know what's happening. I don't know what's, what's going to be next. But I also think they're glad that something finally happened because they knew they couldn't continue on. Right. It's like that relationship that you've been in where there's no excitement. You know, you kind of know what to expect. You know, you're just you're just kind of complacent. And that's the Wizards fans have been. They've been complacent. But now all of a sudden they're trying to get used to this new thing that happened and they're trying to see if it's if it's something that they can believe in. So from the Wizards to the Commanders. Yeah. Do you think that Sam Howell is, oh. is worthy of QB1? Okay, so I have a small sample size of Sam Howell, right? We didn't get to see him a lot in the regular season. When we did see him, let's remember, he wasn't playing, you know, kind of some of the top starters, right, um, yeah. that would usually play um, in games. So all I have to say, you know, I know he did great things in college. I erased your college stats because college is college. You're playing exactly. with grown men now, right? Like, it's a different right. breed of football. And I'll be honest, D.C. is a hard place to play. Like Carson Wentz learned that the hard way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they'll love you or you'll get a lot of shade, right, um, you know, thrown your way. And, you know, this is a team that had loved, you know, Taylor Heineke for so long, obviously wishing Taylor Heineke the best and doing good things in Atlanta. Um, but I think this is a team that also has 
has had a love-hate relationship with the quarterbacks. I think the last loved quarterback here, Wilton, was RG3. Yeah. Uh, and that was a long time removed. And, you know, we still remember that gruesome injury that forever changed the course of his career. So all that to say, I think, you know, Sam Howell, I think fans are giving him a grace where they want him to do well. Like, I think fans are genuinely behind Sam Howell. He's liked. He is liked here. People want to support him, but he's going to have to prove himself. You think about Jacoby Brissett, a journeyman, a veteran, who also still has potentially a chance, right, to have and a start. He, and he's role. proven himself in different years as well. Of course, yeah, he's had some high of highs. I think all that right. to say, like, fans are like, okay, Sam Howell, we're going to give you a chance, but if you can't do the job, you know, give it to the next man. Give it to the next man up. Again, Carson Wentz learned that the hard way. But that's the, that's the place Washington is in. Like, you know, you have a guy like Terry McLaurin who people want you to feed. Terry's hungry. He's thirsty, you know, for the football. You know, how will you be able, you know, to feed him? You have a young wide receiving core who, you know, wants the football. I think he does have a positive support system, which I do think is, I do think it's better than the situation, Wilton, that Carson Wentz came into. Yeah. I think Carson Wentz came into some, you know, because of his past play. And even though I don't think it was fully his fault with the Colts and, you know, all of that stuff, I think he came into negative and he kind of lived in that negativity that I don't think he was ever able to escape it. So all in all, I'll say this is probably the most excited I've seen fans going into a season as of late, just because all that has surrounded the Washington Commanders. Do you think that, and, and I'm very excited to see what Eric Bieniemy does, because number one, I'm glad that he landed in, in, in D.C., but I yeah. do feel like he deserved to be looked at for oh, a head, head coach. coach position. Oh, for but, sure. For but sure. For where he is now, I definitely think he's going to be very uh, beneficial for Sam Howell, but I want to ask this. With his addition being on the offensive side and knowing where the defense is, you know, for the commanders, do you think this is a competitive team next year that can make some noise in the NFC? Yeah, you know, I think the commanders have made the right moves. You know, I, I think this is why this year is going to be so critical. Eric Bieniemy took a chance and a bet on this team, right? Because essentially, I mean, he added a little bit of a more title, right, to him, to his, <laughs> to himself. Um, but essentially, he left a team that many could say could go back to the Super Bowl, right, to take a chance on a team that, you know, needs needs a little bit of work, needs a little bit of fine tuning. Exactly. Um, so, and then also, I think you're yeah, looking at a head coach in Ron Rivera, who going back to her ownership has to prove himself as well. You know, Ron Rivera has been. I mean, he's had decent play, but has been nothing exceptional. But he's also a guy that's overcome adversity. But I think he's been giving some grace. So saying all that to say, when you have a head coach and, a, you know, an offensive coordinator that really have to prove themselves, I think this is going to be um, a special season for the commanders, right? Because you have that kind of added pressure, um, right. which I think wasn't there before, Wilton. And then to your point, I do think this team on paper looks great. Um, but I think it's, it's just going to be the chemistry gelling and meshing. And I think last let's remember, this was a commander's team that was a game away from getting into the playoffs, right? Exactly. They had one job. They needed to beat yep. the Cleveland Browns. It did not yep. happen. So I say, very vividly. <laughs> could this team be competitive in the NFC? I think, yes. I, I think it's going to be largely dependent on the quarterback play. Linebacker play has also been very important to talk about in Washington. That's also something they've been trying to shore up and some fans feel like they didn't do enough to. But I do think, you know, if all goes well, this team can stay healthy that, you know, I think this is a wild card team that could make some noise. And as a team that, you know, before I think when you saw the commanders coming, a lot of teams probably probably counted it as a win. But I think now you're going to have to game plan differently because of Eric Bieniemy, who's going to be able to open and create this new offense. I think it's the same thing with Baltimore and the new offensive coordinator there working with Lamar. You're going to have to game plan differently. And then to your point, too, I think this defense was able to shore up the secondary. And again, they, they made the right moves where I think this defense, too, is going to be something you have to account for. But I think the NFC East will be fun this year to watch. I mean, let's remember this was an NFC East was that was the most competitive last. I mean, this was the best division, essentially. Um, you know, the commander is falling just short, you know, of making this a division that was able to send all teams, right, Bolton? to the playoffs. And again, that was 
you know, games and, and, and fans will go back to that game and question some of the you know decisions that were made in that game and, you know, feeling like they should have been there. But I would say, again, look out for the commanders because of the pieces that they did, um, that they, the needs that they address. And again, the new leadership that we have in Washington. Before I get you out of here, I want to ask you this. And this is this kind of shifts away from just the day to day sports conversations. I want to ask this. What does it mean to you to be? not only a woman, but a black woman in sports, especially oh in gosh. today's area where, you know, companies are having layoffs. Um, yeah. It's harder to get into the industry. Yeah. Um, these particular jobs are asking asking us to do more, uh, sometimes, less. oftentimes with less. Yeah. So it's just like, you know, it's how real do you out here. that space of being a successful yeah. black woman in sports? Well, first off, thank you for calling me successful. I am so hard on myself. And so <laughs> to me, I'm never doing enough and I could always be doing more. But, you know, as you said, this industry is, is different now. One, you have, you know, new technology and startup companies, you know, entering the game. So I think there's more opportunities in that sense. But to your point, networks are laying off folks, you know, left and right. And unfortunately, it seems like, you know, we have on social media. It's a scary thing, um, you know, to see. I think the role of, you know, reporters and, and is changing, as you said, being asked to do more, um, you know, with less. And I think also having just to prove your value more, um, you know, has been a hard thing. But I think for me, what's in my Lord in life is being able to pivot, being able to pivot. So like something I did this year was do more baseball coverage, right? So join MLBbro.com and, you know, adding a new facet to my game, being able to pivot, um, you know, into that. Sports betting got into that a couple, I guess, a couple years ago now, right. being able to pivot into that. I wasn't a gambler, right? But, you know, had yeah. to pivot into that. And I think being able to, you know, promote yourself in different ways, like, I think now what's also different is before I think the brand was so much bigger than the than the people. I think now people have been able to kind of make themselves bigger, you know, than some of the brands like Ari, Ari, who we all love in the, you know, the women's sports space. I Shout think she's a perfect example of that. Like Shout she's been her Ari. own brand and, you know, yeah. has elevated, not just her brand, not just to highlight her, but her own brand and, exactly. you know, is in high demand. And I love seeing that. But I want every black woman to kind of be in that space, you know, and spear. And I think what I've seen more black women doing, this is how I kind of started, was making their own thing. You know, I started my podcast, Listening with KNN. I see so many more black women starting their own companies well in their own blogs, their own podcasts, um, their own media publications. Like I know here in DC, a lot of my fellow black sisters in media have their own publications that they're actually covering teams with. So essentially not waiting for a seat at the table, but building their own table. And I think that's what so many black women um, are starting to do. But I also think, you know, making sure that we fight for inclusion in, in a lot of spaces. I talked about sports betting. We'd love to see more of us there. Talked about baseball. Would love to see more, you know, of us there. Definitely I think also it needs to be more of us. We sure. need more. And being able to, I think you need to know everything. Like, you know, for me, I've added a producer to my title. So knowing how to, you know, put out content and produce content, um, you know, so kind of being a jack of all trades. But I also think for Black women, what's been helpful is, you know, for me, I've learned to say no to opportunities, you know, or people that don't see my value. And I think that can be hard. Like, you know, when you're trying to build and grow, you think you need to do everything, right? Like, I need to be there. I need to do this. But quite frankly, you can sometimes be lower in your value if people know they don't have to pay you for something or they can pay you less. Um, and I know you have to get in a space when you're comfortable with that. But I think also, too, just having multiple streams of income. So that's why, for me, I love being a freelancer, you know, until tax time. And that kind of gets fun and confusing. Um, <laughs> but it also gets <laughs> it's a lot. Ooh, it's a lot. Don't get me started on that. But it's also great because I'm able to, you know, do so many different things, be open to different opportunities. Um, and, you know, just kind of be in a space where I've been able to build my brand in that sense. I think what I love about being a black woman, too, I think I've been able to open new doors for women. So one of the things I love about what I do most is, you know, being part of like 
where I met you, the National Association of Black Journalists and the Sports Task Force, and being able to be co-chair of the Mentorship Committee, being vice president of the Washington Association of Black Journalists here in D.C., working with so many different orgs and groups to make sure that they're including minority voices. Um, you're not just talking about DEI, but what are you doing for DEI? I think for me, that's been the biggest thing, too, is that making sure that, you know, I'm lifting as I climb. And including others, you know, along the way, you know, having people shadow me and, you know, come out with me and actually learning the ropes, introducing them to the people that they need to know so they can get into this industry so they can knock down doors. I think that's the biggest thing is, you know, looking out for each other, because uh, if we don't look out for each other, well, who else will? What are some of the other projects that you're going to be working on and where can people follow you to stay connected? Yeah. With you? Oh my gosh, I feel like there's so much. And it's always so funny. It skips my mind all the time. But first, I will tell you where you should follow me, the real K Nelson on social media. Come follow and interact with me. I love just talking with people who talk sports. I'm Kelsey Nicole Nelson on LinkedIn um, and Facebook as well. And check out my website, KelseyNicoleNelson.com. That's where folks you know, are able to book me for events and all that kind of fun stuff. Um, and just honestly, if you have questions, a lot of students reach out to me, come to me um, in that way. Coming up soon, I'll be dropping a commercial, which I hope everyone checks out with Grand Central Sportsbook. They're based here in D.C. in the Adams Morgan area. Um, it's all about betting local and, you know, keeping the dollars in our communities, um, but also having fun and introducing new people to sports betting. So excited for that to drop coming very soon. So make sure you stay on my platforms for that. I have a lot more content with MLB Bro coming out. I actually have a lot more hosting events that I'll soon um, be announcing, which I'm honestly super excited about. So I hope everyone follows um, and gets behind. And then soon, I can't announce yet, but I'll also be having a new company that I'll be adding to um, my kind of work base that I'll be doing more coverage for. Ladies and gentlemen, Kelsey Nicole Nielsen. Kelsey, thank you so <laughs> much for coming on the show. Wilson, thank you for having me. You know, anytime you ask, it's an easy yes, you are my Dina and brother. You are such a great friend. And again, just amazingly proud of the work that you continue to do. I just have to say thank you, thank you, thank you for helping to amplify not just women voices, but Black women voices and the great work that you do amplifying the WNBA. We need more of you and I hope you know you're an inspiration to others to hopefully do more of this work. So thank you for all that you do. Stay tuned for the next episode of the Red Diamond Report podcast. Until then, make sure to follow the podcast on Instagram at the RDR Report and follow me on Twitter at Wilson Reports and on Instagram at Wilson Reports underscore. Thank you.